the Behind the Seams podcast. I'm your host, Nunzio Signore, looking to bring you great dialogue with some of the best in the world of player development. The world of training baseball players has changed dramatically during the past few years, and I'm looking forward to shedding some light here on what's the latest, what's the best, and what's really happening in the world of player development. Thanks for joining me for the ride. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Before we begin, I want to tell you about our new remote training programs here at RPP. We've been offering remote training for quite some time, but we always required athletes to come in-house for assessments. Now, we can do the whole assessment online, and we're really excited about bringing all of our services, pitching, hitting, and strength training, to your doorstep. So if you like what we do and how we do it, check it out on our website at rocklandpeakperformance.com under remote training in the toolbar. Thanks. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Behind the Seams Podcast. I'm Nunzio Signore, and I wanted to talk today briefly a scenario that we visit about this time of the year in regards to pitching velocity. Every year, uh, about this time, our pitchers get back on the mound, and we start to hear from some of them regarding their velocity after even the first one or two mound visits at 85% intensity. And while we understand the concern, we have to realize that up here in the Northeast, our younger guys, high school baseball doesn't even start until April. It starts in the middle of March, but there's no games yet. It never seems to work out that way. So at the end of January, when we start getting into full intensity on the mound, we have a good eight weeks still before these guys have to really be game ready. Let's call it six. So we start blending to the mound, and it's at this time that we start to get the uh, phone calls from parents regarding their son's concern for his velo after about one week of throwing hard. And I get it. After months of hard work, they're eager to see the fruits of their hard work pay off. And we wish velo gains were that easy, But we're not one of the facilities that claim that, hey, join us and we'll get your velo up five miles an hour in eight weeks. For us, it's about work and you need to trust the process. And we have a holistic approach to training, which covers all aspects of your development. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. There are multiple reasons why your velocity isn't up at the end of January. I'm talking specifically in our facility in a cold weather section of the country. And it's multifaceted. There could be numerous reasons why. So I first want to take you through a typical example of what many of our preseason scenarios look like. We see a ton of 14 to 17-year-old athletes walk through our doors at the beginning of every off-season. So we do an eval in September as well as clock them in. And here's a typical example of a kid who comes in at 72, 74 miles per hour. And him and his dad tell us that they're looking for 80 by the time baseball starts in March. We're hearing the same story. We, we already know what they're going to say. Then his father proceeds to tell me that he's willing to do anything to reach that goal. Remember, though, this is the young man's father that's telling me this, not the young man himself. He's actually looking at his dad sometimes with that man, dad. I wish you would let me get a word in edgewise look. And sometimes I can honestly tell you the kid is coming here because his dad wants him to. And I can tell you almost verbatim that this is something that's not going to work out in a positive scenario for this kid. Fast forward to 
late January, when we start throwing around 85% of max intensity, our guys are at least where they were last year, or even one to four miles per hour above where they were. And we haven't even started throwing at 100% yet. We're at like 85. So this kid that topped out at 72 to 74 at 85% is at 72 and sometimes 76, 77, haven't even started throwing at max intensity yet. But for some reason, panic sets in based off of the fast gainers who are developing faster and are a few ticks up on this guy. I understand it. I have kids. The boy comes home. He's got a frown on his face and you're asking him what's wrong. And he's telling you, wow, man, my velocity's not up yet from last year. And without asking any questions many times, and I'm not pinpointing every parent, but I'm going through one of these scenarios again that we get around this time of the year. We get the phone call wondering why his velo isn't up yet. Remember, folks, we've only started throwing hard for not even a week yet. And quite honestly, the more we throw hard, the harder we'll throw. And in this era of instant gratification, kids see things on social media and they immediately compare themselves to someone who may be a little bit more advanced genetically or just has a higher training age or just is growing at a different rate. We have to remember different athletes progress at different rates and that all depends on a number of things. So what I'm basically saying is improving your pitching velocity does not happen in isolation. Usually raising an athlete's velocity ceiling is a multifaceted endeavor. It relies on most of all of the qualities that I'm about to go through. And it's important to note that one is not more important than the other. You could be lacking in a few. You could be lacking in just one. Parents seem to immediately jump to mechanics because they believe that that is the end-all be-all. And I will tell you that for the most part, there are at least three other things that I contribute to having more to do with raising your velocity ceiling than improving your mechanics. While that's a must and that's very important, that is the, that is the focal point of the pitching lab in this offseason. It's not the only thing we have to look at in regards to why your velocity is not up. But before we get into these parameters, I just want to say for the most part, it has everything to do with getting the weather to be warmer up here in the Northeast, throwing on a real mound, and the adrenaline rush of live batters. And one other thing, increased external rotation. Studies have shown that pitchers develop more external rotation over the course of a season. And with the link between ER and velocity, we usually see our guys' velocities start to get PRs end of April. And then those same people that were very paranoid about what their, where their velocity was after one week of throwing hard, they're calling us and they're posting and they're, they're happy as a pig and you know what. So this is just my experience over 20 years of doing this. 90% of the time, the athlete who is worried about his mechanics immediately starts to calm down once the weather gets warm, external rotation happens, they're throwing hard more, and they're, they have the adrenaline of live batters. But with that being said, I'm going to go through about five or six things really briefly that I think have everything to do with a holistic approach to throwing harder. Number one, nutrition and weight gain. 
When it comes to increasing body weight and throwing velocity, if someone can't control their mass, this usually means that too much of their body weight is composed of fat rather than muscle. So ideally, we want both body weight and body fat to be within a certain range. Not all of today's minor league and professional pitchers, on average, have anywhere between 10 to 15% body fat, and they're about between 2.6 and 3.0 times their height in inches in weight. For high school kids, though, we find that it's generally between 2.2 and 2.5 times their body height to weight. So, for example, a high school athlete coming in around 5'10", which is 70 inches, we're going to be looking for a minimum weight at 15% body fat or less of about 160, between anywhere between 160 and 175 is ideal for these kids. Remember, 165 pounds looks a lot different at 25% body fat than it does at 12% body fat. You're looking at a completely different body at that point. We find the athlete moves with more agility, uh, they're more mobile in general, and they're basically not carrying around a lot of extra baggage in terms of body fat. They can help them come down their center of mass, come down the mound with much more velocity and hit that ground harder with the lead leg, create more force into the ground, bring it back up into the arm with much less velocity coming from the arm. And not only that, they're going to be in a better position to stabilize those joints without the extra unneeded weight on them. And there's some good news here. While such factors as height and limb length are primarily genetic and it's really out of the athlete and our control, putting on some good clean weight, and I mean lean muscle mass, is completely in your control. And one of the easiest qualities to improve, getting on a good eating plan and making sure you're getting enough calories is key. Good clean calories. We use Derek Lipton, who's a nutritionist, we hire out, we refer out to in our programs when we think an athlete either needs to A, gain more weight, and sometimes it actually is a, is a thing where we need to actually have an athlete lose some weight, lose some, some body fat so we can increase our lean muscle mass. So for you hard gainers, if you're changing your diet and you're not gaining weight still, you're not changing it enough. And that's in terms of the amount of calories that you're eating uh, we're not going to get into a nutrition program today. I'll have Derek on for that, but you need to figure it out because eating enough calories is key, which will bring us to number two. Once you start strength training, you will have a much easier time for you hard gainers who don't really feel like you want to eat a lot. This will increase appetite and it will also increase lean muscle mass and weight. So part B of this after nutrition and weight gain is strength and conditioning. And this is where I want to start with mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. A lot of parents are calling us asking about mechanics. This is generally the newer guys that haven't been our, at our facility and seen the results of strength and conditioning. And they're coming from another pitching coach maybe um, who doesn't really incorporate strength training into it. So all they can really talk about is mechanics. And while mechanics, which is going to be one of the things we're going to discuss in a minute, is huge and we consider it. One of the primary things, it is not the end-all be-all to getting a guy to throw harder. And like I said, we incorporate a holistic approach and our strength and conditioning programs are paramount. They're the foundation at the bottom of this approach that everything else really sits on. And we see it with our Tommy John guys. We have guys who can't throw for five months after Tommy John surgery. We'll have them just strength train 
and not even use that arm, but just get the rest of their body really strong. And when they start their back to throw program and they get to about 60 or 70%, you can see the light bulb go off in their head. Wow, this feels a lot easier already. And you know what? It had nothing to do with throwing mechanics, had nothing to do with throwing at all. They haven't even thrown a baseball for a half a year. So um, we have to attribute that to some of the other players that we're seeing in what we're talking about today, strength and conditioning being at the forefront of those. And I think it's just due to a lot of parents buying into a lot of the myths that, uh, you know, strength training can stunt your growth. It's unsafe, which true, it is unsafe. If you've got a bunch of meathead trainers that you're sending your kid to, you need to go to a place that's working on movement first before we actually load that pattern. And the old way of thinking was, you know, strength training will get you big and it will make you tight. And if you train the wrong way, yes, it will. But sitting around doing three sets of 10 with 15-pound dumbbells and a million band drills, that's okay if you're in PT. But to get strong, that's just not going to cut it. You need to get in a good program that watches overhead lifting. We don't straight bar bench without a block on it. We don't do anything overhead. We don't do a lot of side raises. We don't do any Olympic lifts. And we do not back squat and very seldom bilateral squat. And that's a whole nother podcast. But these are some things you should look out for in your strength training program or in your child's strength training program to make sure that they're not in his program. We should see good push-up variations, trap bar deadlifting to center the spine, barbell pressing with a block, lots of med ball work, and lots of horizontal rowing. And one last word on strength training, it helps reduce the risk of injury. For pitchers, being able to get adequately overhead by strengthening serratus and strengthening everything around that glenohumeral joint because that is the most mobile and unstable joint in the body that goes through the most trauma on a daily basis in the sport they play. So creating that stability through strength training is a must. So to sum up strength training, it helps us put more force into the ground. It helps us disperse the force when we land by having stronger legs. And it helps us reduce the risk of injury by building stability all around the joints and the passive restraints. So um, we can continue to throw harder and continue to do so all season safely. Number three is mobility and arm care. So for some of us, while we do need stability always, there are some athletes that are tight. And we could have good tight, we could have bad tight. Tight in a sport as fast as baseball is really important. Overly tight is not. And that's where mobility, soft tissue work, and arm care comes in. And we see it with our Tommy John guys. Generally, kids think that arm care and mobility work is boring. And quite honestly, I personally hate doing it myself, but I do it. They don't take it seriously, though. And until an arm injury scares the shit out of them, excuse my French, these guys generally don't take it seriously. And as soon as they start to have pain or the, unfortunately something like TJ arrives, these guys generally become the poster children for model mobility work, arm care, and soft tissue work. Because now they've actually got the daylight scare out of them and they're willing now to to buy in so while we do need to make sure we've got good mass on our frame and we do need to make sure that we're getting strong for stability and to actually disperse stress and help reduce injury and also work on mobility and soft tissue work and arm care we can't have this conversation about staying healthy and improving hip, uh, pitching velocity if we can't talk about getting at least 
six and a half hours to seven hours of sleep a day. I know this is hard for young athletes with their schedules with school and going out and training, but we need to work hard and we need to recover harder. And all of that recovery happens through recovery workouts, but primarily through getting enough sleep daily. You simply can't go as hard either in the weight room or on the mound if you don't have enough sleep. And unfortunately, we see it a lot of times, both in the weight room and on the mound. An athlete will come in with a poor night's sleep, and instead of lowering the weight or lowering the intensity and maybe hit it at 80%, they try to hit the same thing that they hit every Tuesday. That can really be a bad rabbit hole to go down as far as injuring yourself. That's why when intensity on the mound starts to ramp up, we do CNS testing off of force plates before the guys come in and do their pull downs and their high intensity mound days to know how, what their pitch count should be and how hard they're getting after it. Okay, I've got two more. The last, next to the last one is plyometrics and agility training. And this is a big one that we see with our RPP Revolution baseball team. When we started this year, a 13-14U team, we looked at these young athletes coming in. And a lot of them just have great baseball technique. But when it got to fielding, my fielding coach and my hitting coach, Andrew Pizzuto, was telling me, wow, a lot of these guys can literally not get their glove to the ground quick enough to field a ground ball. And when they do get down there, by the time they get up, their throw to first is not accurate. And that is their inability to go through global movement patterns. I had a great podcast with Dr. Ismael Gallo, who is the founder of Baseball Flows. And I've started incorporating some of his concepts as far as taking kids from the ground up, much like a Turkish getup, but taking them through these global movement patterns. And once you start assessing core and head movement and hip flexor mobility, you start to see that these young athletes, they're, they're just not aware of their body yet. And quite honestly, getting from a lying position to a one-legged standing position is very difficult. We are really, really excited to see the benefits that using some of this DNS training uh, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, the end result of working these drills, these baseball flows into their movement patterns. So this brings us to, I believe, number five, pitching mechanics. And I don't think we have to discuss much about the importance of pitching mechanics. I personally look at mechanics as a way to help athletes throw safely and not create energy leaks that are going to make them overuse their arm, even more than worrying about velocity with pitching mechanics. But like I said before, many of our new athletes coming here, they and their parents have never really talked about strength and conditioning, sleep, nutrition, plyometric training, mobility, arm care, soft tissue work with their pitching coaches that they used to have. They're really just used to talking about mechanics because that's really what the pitching coach knows. And without the help of a holistic program, a closed loop program that looks at everything, you really can only expect these guys coming in thinking that mechanics are the end all be all. And similar to looking at plyometric ability and global movement patterns, pitching is a global movement pattern. While we do look at mechanics in static positions, because it tells us maybe where we have to backtrack to get to, to how they got to these poor static positions, we do have to understand that we need to look at the movement in total to make sure that it's looking like it's a great global movement pattern. If it's not, we can stop at static positions and see where the chink in the armor really is. So with that, please don't think that I'm dumping on uh, guys that think that it's mechanics. Many times it is, but many times it isn't. So to sum it up, 
there could be many reasons why an athlete's velo isn't up yet in January. One is because it's just too early here in the Northeast at 85% to be worrying about if your kid is going to throw harder in baseball season. We've got six to eight weeks left of training, blending it to the mound. And then once we add in increased rotation as he's throwing harder, warmer weather, and throwing off a real mound, the adrenaline rush of live batters, I can tell you that 20 years in the business, one thing is for sure, 90% of the time, their velo will be up. The question is simply when, and like I said, there's, this is an era of kids getting used to instant gratification. We have to, we have to understand that a little bit, but we as parents maybe can tell them, Hey, listen, everybody progresses at different rates. And I know it's a really hard conversation with your kid because they don't want to hear that, but I think it's part of growing up. I think it's a part of life. And I think once they get a handle on that, they'll be able to go into it with a, a bigger picture ahead, looking ahead at a bigger picture, um, six to eight weeks down the road. It simply does not come in isolation through pitching mechanics only. It comes for a variety of reasons, and you have to check a lot of boxes to determine what contributes to that success. And when the velocity is finally up, we really can't contribute it to any one thing, even after it is up. We just don't know what it is. We don't know where the success really originated from because it, it involves so many different processes. And really with that, that's a period and the end of the story on this. Get on a good nutritional program. Make sure your weight gain is 2.2 to 2.5 if you're in high school, 2.5 to 3 if you're in college and pro. Sleep more than six and a half hours a day. Be consistent with your strength and conditioning program and make sure you have a good one. Don't skip your mobility and soft tissue work. Incorporate some DNS training, dynamic neuromuscular stability. I highly recommend checking out Dr. Gallo's baseball flows. I've tried them even myself, and I'm now training my athletes with um, them. I'll give them a little bit before the strength training. And with our teams, we're giving them a little bit of that on Saturdays and Sundays before they're fielding and before they're throwing and hitting. Really cover all your bases, and you should be good. If you've done this and you've put in a good solid effort this winter, you should become stronger and increasingly more powerful. And remember, patience. It takes time for the brain and the body to adjust to this newfound strength, power, and size. If you put in the work, it will come. Hard work, patience, and perseverance is the name of the game. That's it for another week of Behind the Seams Podcast. I hope this really helped answer some questions about uh, why your or your at or your child's velo is not up at this time of year yet. Please be patient. You can reach out to me at, at Nunzio Signore on Twitter. You can reach out to my facility at RPP underscore baseball on Twitter and Instagram. The website is rocklandpeakperformance.com and I've got a book out on velocity-based training, how to apply science, technology, and data to maximize performance. That's released by human kinetics. And you can find it on Amazon. And until then, have a great day.